Thank you all. Yes. Praise God. You can be seated. Thank the Lord. We just sang a song. We worship you for who you are. For who you are. This message this morning is another step in the series our pastor has asked us to speak on this summer. And it's a series about Jesus. And today's message is Jesus, the truth, and the living word. The truth and the living word. I wonder how much we worship him for being the truth and how much we worship him for being the living word. And this morning, I pray, and I'm going to pray right now as I speak. Father, I pray that this exact thing will be accomplished here this morning, that by the time, by your grace, I am done delivering the message that I pray and believe that you're going to speak through me, Lord, that, Father, everyone's hearts will be prepared to worship you, Lord, for who you are as the truth, Lord, and as the living word. And, God, we believe you and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey. Truth and living word is not dry theology, okay? This morning, he is the so that is the source. The fact that Jesus is, our, is the truth and the living word is our source of victory, brothers and sisters. It's been maybe a secret hidden too far in the background. So this morning, let's open our minds and hearts and say, Lord, are we, I've been looking for something from you. Maybe this is going to help me a little bit here this morning. Amen. So we're going to take a, some scriptures right out of mostly the English Standard Version. Um, and we're going to start right off with how Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. And I do not see anything up on that screen, brothers and sisters up there. So you'll tell me when to stop. Oh, aha. There we are. All right. Praise God. Okay. I want to keep myself also on the time. All right. So Jesus is the truth. We're going to break this into two parts, although they go together. But Jesus is the truth. How do we feel about the truth? I'm going to pause on that thought for a minute. Okay, think. Think to yourself for a moment. Okay. Now let's read a few verses real quick to get us started. John 14, 6 is where Jesus proclaimed, right? I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. No woman either. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is making a proclamation of being the truth, which right away throws us off guard, right? Who as a person can say they are the truth? John 1.17, for the law was given through Moses, so that's the Old Testament word, right? Bible was given through Moses, grace and truth. Not just grace, brothers and sisters. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John 18, 37. Jesus goes a little farther. By the way, my brother Tommy, a couple weeks ago, brought out to us about how there was purpose in Jesus' life. He knew his purpose, and he was challenging us to say, do we know our purpose? Well, Jesus spake, speaks here in John 18, 37, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. 
That's a, and we always say, wait a minute, Jesus' purpose was to die for us, to be buried, and to be raised on the third day for our salvation. Of course, do you recognize that is a witness to the truth that we needed death for our sins? And in his resurrection, we are gifted life through him. There's truth even in his life and in his death and in his resurrection, but his whole coming, so more than that part, even all of his many words and actions, all the miracles he did, why did he do miracles? To bear witness to the truth, to get our attention to the truth. So the truth, oh my, has great importance to us. So he said, for this person I, purpose, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And then he says this little extra thing. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Listens to my voice. Okay, why? Why do we want to listen to the voice of God, the voice through Jesus, who is bearing witness of the truth? It brings me back to the question at the beginning. How do we feel about truth? Well, I'm going to tell you a little story. We like stories, right? Little anecdotes get us started, a little bit of a human thing. So my husband shared a little bit of something. I'm going to share a little bit of something about him as well. So here's, no, it's not getting back at him. That was nice what he said. <laughs> And it was true. Um, so when I was in college, right, anyone went off to college? I went really far away from home. I'm from the Midwest, so I went from St. Louis all the way to Boston, came to college. And in my first year, I had four lovely roommates on the third floor. And right beneath us, there were five guys on their floor. And he was one of them. I didn't know him. And so anyway, you know as it is in freshman year and you're getting to know people, right? And so some of our roommates and I was with them kind of hung out for a little while downstairs in their room and we were just talking. I don't even know what was happening because I don't remember it, which is good. And you'll see why. So what happened is something happened. And it was something somebody said or somebody, the way somebody treated someone. I have no more any idea whatsoever. This was a mighty long time ago anyway. But the thing of it was, it bothered me. You know, it bothered me and I went upstairs to my room and there was one of my roommates with me and I was talking to her about it. I said, you know, I don't really know what happened there. I didn't like that. It was made me really uncomfortable and I don't really understand it. Like, I don't really know why, blah, 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 whatever. And so she said, oh, why don't we call Albert up here? I said, Albert? Like, who's that? <laughs> and she, she said, well, you know, he's one of the roommates down there. I knew that, but she's, she said, why don't we call him up here? Because He'll tell you what happened, and I thought, yeah, like, I don't even know this guy. I, you know, what am I going to do? Ask him about something that matters deeply to me for some random reason, and this guy I don't know, I'm going to tell him that I'm worrying about something or bothered about something? She goes, no, really. He'll tell it to you like it is, and he won't, he won't you know, make, make a big deal about it. He'll just tell it to you. You can talk to him. So she persuaded me. I said, okay. So she brings this guy up to our room. He's up there, and my roommate and myself, and we're all in the room. And so he goes, so, so what's going on? And I remember he was just all relaxed over there on the couch, and I was across the room. And I said, well, 
you know, when and whatever happened, and I explained it. And I said, I was just kind of bothered by that. I was just kind of wondering what that was about. And exactly like my roommate said, he just said to me, he goes, oh, well, blah, 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 blah. And he just explained, you know, what it was that had taken place and, and just made it clear that everything was okay. It wasn't a big deal. And it was not this worrisome, horrible thing, whatever was bothering me. He just said it to me straight. And he also said it to me in a way that showed respect to the fact that I had concerns about it. He didn't make a big deal about that. He just gave me the truth. He just simply told it to me. Now, I don't know about you, but that made me feel pretty warm and fuzzy on the inside. I said to myself, whoa, here's actually what I was saying to myself. I have had nothing but discomfort since I've come up to this college. I am a new person. I only knew, I knew two other kids who came from my school to go to school here, and they were way off in other dorms and other circumstances now, and I was pretty much on my own, and I wasn't loving all the people I was meeting. A lot of people were very independent and very to themselves and very arrogant, and I was really uncomfortable, and I wasn't having a whole lot of friends. My roommates were great. But here this guy out of the blue just sits down with me like it's any old day and just tells me the truth that I want to know. And it caught my attention. I said, this is a friend. Even though I didn't know him, I wasn't sure he was a friend, but it was the beginning of thinking he might be a friend. Is the truth your friend? It should be. You know why people who are really giving you the truth the way it should be given are giving you relief because, oh, that's how it is. Now I can deal with it. Whether it's something I really wish were the way it were or not, at least now it's kind of manageable, right? I, I have agency now because this is tangible. This is something I can kind of have a perspective. I can think about it. Maybe I have to sit down a little bit to think about it, pray about it, but at least I can deal with it now. Truth should bring us relief, comfort. It should give us help. It can relieve frustration, confusion, right? Even despair. Sometimes the reason we're despairing is because, quite honestly, we don't know the truth about the situation. And sometimes when we're in a mind space where things are bad, it's because we're not really seeing clearly the truth about a situation. The truth is beautiful. It, it is beautiful and it brings deliverance and healing. Jesus said, I am the truth. So he is our friend. Well, let's Keep going just a little bit more, because we know there's the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A few verses about how they all three in one agree and are the truth. The Holy Spirit, John. By the way, John, as a writer, do you ever get to know people in the Bible kind of personally? John, for one thing, is one who knew love, right? John leaned against Jesus' breast at the Last Supper, and he was just... He just loved God, and he spoke so much about love. But he also spoke a lot about truth. Many of my verses, you'll see, were written by John. So, John 14, 16 and 17. 
He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. If you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have trusted him for your salvation his Holy Spirit has come to live within you. And his Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And the world can't receive that because the world is not aligned with truth. Neither was I, neither were you before we came and were washed by the blood of Jesus. We had a whole other set of things going on, but more about that later. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, speaks the same as God, and he is going to give us all the truth. Praise God. Amen? And even God the Father saw fit to speak in Isaiah 45. He said, Thus saith the Lord, who created the heavens, who formed the earth and made it, I am the Lord, and there is no other, and I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Are we anywhere near feeling comforted by this right now? Thank God, like when I had, when my husband, who wasn't my husband, came up and told me what I needed to hear at that moment. Are we looking for that this morning? Lord, speak to me the truth. That's my help. That's what I need. I need the truth. Okay, well, if we are believers in Jesus, we've already embraced some truth because the gospel we will read here is all about the truth. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the gospel is called the word of truth. By the way, do we know what the gospel is? Sidebar. Some of us talk about preaching the gospel, and I believe the gospel, and do you want to evangelize? Evangelists go off and speak the gospel. Gospel literally means good news, and the gospel, the good news, is really, it, by the way, it's found in about two or three verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you ever want to get armed up for when you've got to talk to someone about the Lord, and it simply says... That, that Jesus died, he came to the earth as the Son of God. He went to the cross, he died for our sins, he was buried, and he was raised again on the third day. You might say, boy, that's really simple, what? Let's look at this verse here, Romans 1.16. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Just bringing that message that Jesus was the Son of God, he was born as a man, came into this world, laid down his life, died on the cross, was buried, and even after that was raised again back up to life on the third day, 
proclaiming that reality to someone who doesn't believe it up till then can bring faith in their hearts. I'm a testimony. I wasn't raised in church, by the way. Some of you didn't know that. Oh, no, I came to Christ. I was, by the way, I wasn't a Christian when that whole story happened with my husband. He wasn't either. How about that? And sidebar, Jesus of his own accord brought me to himself and him to himself within six months. Otherwise, we would have probably broken up. The Lord put that together, but that was in his hand, right? Okay, and how about us now? So we know the gospel of truth, but how are we with truth? How do we feel about the truth? Are we there yet? I'm going to tell you what, even if we're all excited right now and say, oh, the truth is my hope, which you should feel this way. The truth is going to help me. There are really two problems that arise within us as human beings about the truth. Something in us fights the truth. Okay? Galatians 4, 16. And these three verses I'm going to read to you are all Paul. And he says, have I then become your enemy? Who is he writing? A church. The Galatian church. Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? What? Yes. It was important to write that. Romans 1.18 was a whole passage more than what I have on the screen, but it speaks of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So if there's unrighteousness, it tends to want to push away the truth. And Galatians 5.7, Paul continued to the Galatians and said, you were running well. Who has hindered you from obeying the truth? So that tells us that there is a little bit of a caution here about us. Like, we may be really excited to hear the truth, right? And it's like, oh good, the truth is coming. But there could be something in us that when we hear it, we don't really want to hear it. And we may be against it, and there may be sin in us, actually, that is struggling not to want to, because it doesn't want to bow quite yet. Don't forget, there's power in the truth. If we continue in the truth, Jesus said, you are my disciples indeed, which means the truth is in us and will make us free. Sin will not prevail. In fact, the scripture says that sin shall not have dominion over you, right? Because you are his. He has come in with the truth and it will make you free. But more about that later. The other piece that could be a little problem with this truth is the devil. In John 8, 44, it says he was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. No truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, I just want to say this. We who think about spiritual warfare sometimes, we Pentecostals, right? I sometimes bring this up, but I'm bringing this up for a reason here. There will be, listen, hear me, there will be no greater battle that will ever engage with any of us as believers than a battle that is dead set against the truth. The truth 
is the essence of our being able to be saved. Knowing the truth is what brought us to Jesus and washed us and gave us a new mind and a new heart and a new will to serve the Lord. We need the truth, brothers and sisters, and there will be no greater battle than the enemy set against you or me hearing and knowing and embracing, which is a whole other step, the truth. Are we willing to fight in order to allow the truth to get inside of us in spite of all the oppositions from within and without? I pray that today this message is going to strengthen us to say, if there's anything I need, I need to really let the truth in, even though everything in me hates it. And we can be in that place. We don't like the truth. Yes, it is, but Jesus is bigger than that, and he's our friend, and he's going to help us. Amen. Okay. In fact, here are a few verses that are just snippets that are going to give us some power if we embrace these verses about the truth. 1 Corinthians 16, 3. Love, yes, yeah, you know, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. I don't know if I have the right reference. Anyway, isn't that 1 Corinthians 13? Okay, but love does not re rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. In Ephesians, two little verses, Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. It's by his truth, brothers and sisters, that we become like Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other way. We won't get there if we're avoiding the truth. Amen? And in verse 25, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Why? For we are members of one another. We're helping each other if we speak the truth to one another. Amen. Also, truth is part of our armor. I already mentioned to you about our enemy, right? Who has no truth in him, and he is set against our getting the help we need through the truth. Well, in Ephesians 6, it says, Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Fastening it, that means like a seatbelt, right? You put it on and you click it closed. This is not leaving me. I am living by this truth. Amen? John 4.24, we're told God is spirit. Now listen, worship team, and everyone who is here a worshiper, right? God is spirit, and we love to read about how he is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And in truth, and I'm not rebuking my worship team, you do worship him in truth. But it's an exhortation, right, to all of us that our worship to God is in spirit and in truth. And also, finally, Philippians 4.8 tells us whatever is true, think about these things. Okay, there's some exhortations about truth. I'm going to turn a page, so to speak. My message was told that we're going to explore Jesus. We're doing a journey with Jesus. He's the truth. He's also the living word. The living word. So let's consider Jesus as the living word today. I'm going to draw on my brother Tommy's message from a couple weeks ago again. He talked to us about this, about Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 1, he, or in the beginning of John 1, it says, 
that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, if you drop down further in that chapter, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And it says this again, full of grace and truth. So we see here that the word, this thing called the word that was in the beginning with God and was God, is actually Jesus, right? Because he became, as flesh, the only begotten son of God, whom we know to be Jesus. So when we speak of the living word, we're speaking of Jesus, right? So that's our basis here for this discussion. Okay, well... Let's read a little thing that shows us the confusion that this, that this brought to one man whose name was Pilate. He was a governor, right? And Jesus was brought to him when he was on trial for all the good that he had done. So John 18, 37 and 38, it says, For this purpose, and here he is saying this that we read before, I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate was the one who was hearing those words, and afterwards he said, what is truth? What is truth? Well, interestingly, in the wisdom of God, Jesus didn't start a dissertation at that moment and explain and go back like some preachers, such as Stephen, for example, went on trial. He rafted through the annals of history concerning the Jews and brought them to that moment and explained everything from the word. No, that is not what Jesus did. Jesus did not answer him a word. That's the wisdom of God that we may or may not fully understand, but we did get an answer. We got an answer later. Because as it happens, the chapter before, I say we got it later because now we have the scriptures that we can read, right? We have this whole account that John was faithful to write for us. It was the chapter before, actually, in John 17, where Jesus was praying. It was truly, that's the Lord's Prayer, if you want to call it that. This was a very long chapter of praying that Jesus did before he was going to go to trial and be crucified. And in his prayer, in John 17, verse 17, he said to God, on behalf of all of us, he said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. That just is bringing a full circle, right? We've been talking about truth. We've been talking about Jesus said, I am the truth, and here now as the word, who is the living word, right, because he is alive forevermore, he is the truth, and his word is truth, and by that truth, we are sanctified. What does it mean to be sanctified? Well, yes, set apart, we often use that definition. Sanctified also means made more and more perfect like Jesus. It's by his word that we hear his truth that we so need and really so desire, don't we? We desire his truth. It's his word then that's going to make us know how to be like Jesus. It's going to bring us into the presence of Jesus, actually. 
Well, I told you I'd come back for a moment about this battle, this warfare that we have. I just want to bring in one more verse because we need to tie up this discussion a little further about how it, we interact with truth. And in Revelation 12, 9, it speaks of the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver. There's a new word now in this verse. Okay, let's note that. The deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Well, that hasn't happened yet. This is in Revelation. It's a prophetic utterance. But we are, as fallen human beings, that is, redeemed, but nonetheless, after the fall, we struggle and we are in a heat of a battle over the truth, as I said before. And this thing about deceiver brings up the need for some definitions. So we're gonna hit a few definitions real quick. Okay, we've already spoken about truth, and I just wrote this down, and hopefully you're seeing all this on the screens. Truth is that which is in accordance or in agreement with reality. Now, you may say, well, it doesn't look that way to me. It looks really bad. And God is saying this. Reality is eternal, brothers and sisters. Reality isn't what we think right now or what we feel necessarily. It can be that it, we are in agreement, what we perceive, but sometimes not. And the truth is what really, really is, which God sees always the way it is. Lie. What's a lie? It is an assertion, notice. You ever heard of someone who's assertive? It doesn't mean they're arrogant, but just they, they know and they're just saying it. A lie is an assertion that misleads or deceives. Just because somebody says it really loudly doesn't mean it's the truth. We, we are sheep, right? So we follow, but let's be wise, right? Harmless as doves, but wise as a serpent, even though we're sheep. Sheep like to follow, but the Lord tells us a little bit that there's a little more to this walk than just following. Let's be a little wise. Just because somebody's assertive doesn't mean what they're speaking is the truth. Deceive, then. What does that mean? Because that's what the devil does. Is to, now watch this. There are kind of two parts to this definition. The first one is what the devil is doing. To cause someone to believe something that is not true. Typically in order to gain some personal advantage. Oh, if you knew, if you knew that the reason why somebody, or should I say the enemy, is putting this thought in your mind, which is not the truth, if you knew that the, there was a personal motivation behind that to get an advantage over you, how would you feel about that? Well, you know what? That is exactly what is being done when there is a lie being spoken to you. It is an attempt for the enemy to get a personal advantage over us in order to bring us down and get an advantage, he thinks, over Jesus. But this other definition of deceive is to fail to admit to oneself that something is true. Can we deceive ourselves? Jeremiah 17, 9. We know this verse, right? The heart 
is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? What? So that is telling us that when God is dealing with truth here, his truth is most of all important where it has to do with the things of our hearts. You know, we speak a lot around here about circumstances, about blessings, right? About natural benefits, which are benefits from God, right? Goodness of God to, to prosper us and give us good success, right? As we obey him, those are good. But when we're talking about a battle against the truth, it's not a battle, brother and sister, for your job. Unless your job is related to your ministry, then it would be. The battle is against your heart, my heart, okay? That's where the battle is most targeted. So, how does God help us? What is to be done when our own hearts when our own hearts can fail to admit to ourselves what is true. Thankfully, the very next verse in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, tells us about the Lord. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind or try the reins, it says in King James, to give every man according to his ways. So the Lord does this, and how does he do it? His word, he says in Hebrews 4.12. By the way, did you notice we're reading a lot of word? Are we reading a lot of scripture? Is this boring? God help us. This is, this is your life. Proverbs 4.13 says, Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Instruction, meaning what God teaches us, right? In his word, take fast hold of it. It's your life. It's going to keep us, right, to know his word. So Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is quick and powerful or alive, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrows. In other words, getting right in, the, right in that little spot where you don't really know what your motive is. And I don't know what my motive is. And the word of God can go right in between those thoughts and say, that's what you're really doing right here. Do you really want to do that? The truth is, that'll take you away from me. Or the truth is, you're blessed right there. And it can be both ways. God will reveal it. Won't he sometimes come along with that word that comforts our souls to say, you're going right Oh, we take such courage when the Lord will tell us, this is the truth and you're doing it, right? So much courage. But he gives us that word to discern our, our hearts. And he goes on a little bit and says, and there's no creature that's hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him, so to whom we must give an account. So that's comforting. It's also sobering. <laughs> we don't hide anything, nothing, in no place in our house, or anywhere on the face of the world, there's nothing hidden before him. That's good. Thank God. Because if we're deceiving ourselves in some way, his truth, by the way, that's truth. That's truth. That's going to help us. That we're never hiding from him. There's no place we're hiding. Let's receive that truth this morning, brothers and sisters. We're okay. We're safe. We're safe because we are letting him in the light. We're letting him illuminate our hearts, right, with the truth. 
So we don't fool him, but so what do we do then? What do we do? What can we do about this predicament when we see that maybe we're not really in the right spot and we're struggling about something? I love Psalm 139. It's very comforting. The last two verses, 23 and 24, are a prayer that we can all not just pray the words and our hearts be far from him, but pray sincerely, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me, any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And there's even one more thought I would add to that. First John, again John, but the epistle, chapter 3. For when our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. These are comforting words, brothers and sisters. These are gracious words, good words. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Confidence to pray and get answers to prayer. Isn't that kind of cool? Like, isn't that awesome? That comes from a place of knowing that our hearts are clean. We're not hiding anything. To, the, to whatever we've learned thus far, I'm not saying we're perfect, I'm not perfect, <laughs> but to the extent that we have received any knowledge of truth, we're, we're, we're letting the battle be in our favor with God. We're striving that that truth takes hold of us and we receive it. Amen? Oh, what a gift. And then we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask, we receive of him because we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Oh, what a powerful, precious thing. I am not going any further. How hard it is to bring a message about his word and his truth because there's so much written about it. There's so much written about it. Where are we? How do we feel about the truth today? Are we thankful for the truth? Right now, we, some of us here, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with this if this is you, because many times this will be all of us, if on the inside we're not too happy about this because it's so, there's this struggle happening on the inside, there's a, there's a thing, and you know, there's just this thing that's been on the inside that doesn't like the truth, and it's like, man, you know, I, I don't know, this is really, really hard. Well, I hope I gave you some tools. There's this place called humility in prayer, right, where we can bow our knees before God and say, Lord, I, I honestly need you to help me. But you know what you can do besides say, help me, God? Do you want to know a great, powerful tool that you can use to help you to overcome and have victory in the truth? It's to confess to God Whatever you see in you that is different from or in opposition to his truth, and ask God to forgive you for that. It's so simple, and it has so much power. It's like, God, honestly, I really am kind of greedy. God, honestly, I am just carried away with myself. Lord, uh, by the way, these things are, are going to, 
There's a whole lot of scripture that I'm not talking about today. Scripture's our friend. We can find verses that tell us who we are. You know, James wrote, he said that, you know, we go into the word and it's, he calls it the perfect law of liberty. And it's like a mirror. We read it and it's shining right back at us. Oh my goodness, is that what I'm like? That's what I'm doing. And hopefully a, a, a humble and a tender heart toward God will say, Lord, you've been so good to me. Please forgive me. Lord, I, I, I'm really falling short here. We don't have the means to be different. Isn't that joyous? The scripture tells us that. He says, can a leopard change his spots? I mean, can we change ourselves? Right? Romans 7, the whole last of that chapter, Paul is going on this whole thing of, oh man, the things that I really hate are the things that I do and the things that I wish I would do, I don't do, but I do the other things instead. And, and then he almost kind of said, woe is me, but then he kind of said, who shall deliver me from this death? <laughs> I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord, right? There is therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I know that's in the King James, I think, only but it's got some value there. It's as we surrender ourselves, right? I loved how Sister Nao sang to us, surrendering herself to God. I think that was last week, right? Surrendering it all to God. Why shouldn't we? He's really good, brothers and sisters. We sang that, right? He is so good. He's so good. He's our friend. His truth is our best friend because it is Jesus, actually. He is truth, right? He's our friend to help us, to help us. So I'm going to pray with us all. and I'm going to do two prayers. The first one, I'd like to pray for all of us who are struggling in some way with this message and with some issue. And my desire is, because this message should be there to help you not to be discouraged. Even though, why should you be discouraged? You belong to Jesus. What's there to be discouraged about? The devil's a liar. Don't be discouraged just because you have a sin issue. Like, you got to deal with it. Let's deal with it, right? It's just another one. Oh, there will be more after that. <laughs> this walk goes on until heaven. God convicts us day by day. I don't know what the Lord might show me next week, right? Like, wow, Jenny, you know, you really could do better about this. Or, wow, you really said the wrong thing. You know, and then I get to go bow on my knees, too. It's just a repeat and a repeat. When we have to deal with it, we deal with it. This is the walk. This is the walk we have with Jesus, to sanctify, to be sanctified by his word, by his truth, right? So I'm going to pray that way first, and after that, I'm going to give opportunity to anyone who may not know Jesus personally yet, and you would like to have him come into your life and begin to give you some relief from the grief and the sorrow which may be yours without him. I know that was how it was in my life before I came to Christ. So let's all bow our heads, and I'm going to pray first with those of us who belong to him. Oh, Father, Lord, we love you today. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word and for your truth, which really is you. Lord, we, we appreciate learning that you're on our side, even in our deepest struggles. And truly, God, we know and acknowledge 
that the biggest battles for our souls are going to be in our hearts where the war is waged over truth. Help my brothers, help my sisters, God help me. Father, I pray that all of us, God, are going to learn in a greater way to walk and let the truth be our guide. You promised your Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Help us to let you do that, Lord. I pray with anyone here who has really been struggling, who has really been kind of frustrated or maybe even thought they were just done with the battle and, and now here you are bringing it up to them. God, I especially pray for that individual here today and I ask you to help him or her, help this person, Father, deep, deep, deep inside. Give courage. The biggest thing I pray you will help this person with is hope and courage to know that, Lord, you would not be bringing this up if you did not intend to bring victory. And so, God, I pray that you will give spirit and strength to each one here and that you will move to give wisdom and words from your Bible, Lord, that are going to empower everyone to find victory through your truth. Oh God, I pray that every one of us here today, God, will consider that truth is our friend. As believers, Lord, we've been born of a spirit of truth. Your truth is part of us, Lord. Let us love your truth. Let us fight for your truth in our own lives. Where we see our hearts deceiving ourselves, help us to humble ourselves, Lord, and God, to just let you, Lord, wash over our hearts with truth. We know you will forgive us where we have fallen short, and for this, we are forever grateful. So God bless every such one here today, and God, I also just lift up to you anyone who is either here or in our online audience, Lord, who has maybe never come to have an encounter with you, Lord. God, I pray that each heart will receive this word, even the gospel of their salvation, and be born of your Holy Spirit so that they may also be empowered by your truth to live an abundant life, a victorious and a joyous life in Christ. So God, this morning I pray that if where there may be someone like this, I pray that you will help them to join with me, even as I will utter this prayer, Lord, before you on their behalf. And in fact, may all my brothers and sisters follow me in this prayer so that we all can be praying this along with anyone who is wanting to call on you, Lord Jesus, for salvation. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the gospel of my salvation that teaches me that you, Jesus, came to the earth as the Son of God and died in my place for my sin and then were raised from the dead 
so that I might have salvation. I believe the record of the gospel. I thank you that means you are saving me from my sins. I believe you this morning that I now am a child of God. Help me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. After service, I will be down here to pray with any of you who would like to have some extra faith added with your prayers, maybe with your struggles. The Lord is here to help us all. Amen. Amen. God bless you.